On Saturday night, right after that, someone right in this section blurted out, Chuck, that's a tough act to follow. Yeah, I agree. I, <laughs> I agree. Uh, that song was written talking about the power that's available to us when we're in relationship with Jesus and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're talking about in this series. Last week, we kicked it off by Brian describing the relationship that God has with us and the fact that God exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, yet in some mysterious way that we can't fully understand in our natural minds, they're one person. But the Spirit of God is the person of God that empowers us to live this life that we're talking about in Jesus. And so today we're asking the question, what does it look like? What is the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a person who's following Jesus. Let's pray. God, you have promised us power. You have promised us a relationship with your spirit. And in a, in a mystical way, there is a person of the Holy Spirit who literally comes and takes residence in us when we receive Jesus as our God and as our Savior. And it's just amazing. And I just ask that you would take my words today and help them and give them your power to explain to us what it looks like to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit and what the works are and the signs that we can begin to notice and respond to that he does in our lives. I pray all of this in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite our First Impressions folks to come up, our ushers, and we're going to take up an offering now. And if this is your first time here at Crossroads, what we're about to do is just a way that we fuel the life change and the cool things like Go Cincinnati, the infrastructure that supports that, that happens around here. We, we take up an offering and people are generous. They're going to be coming up and passing around some discs. If you're here for the first time, we're not about your money. I encourage you to just let that disc pass you right on by. This is just a way for those of us who have been around here and want to fuel what God's doing here to give back of what God has given us. And I'm going to jump right in and, and start today as we take up our offering. We're talking this week about what is the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christ-following person. What is the role? Jesus said this incredible thing we're going to look at a little bit more today, where he said to his followers, it's actually better for you if I leave than if I stay with you, God in flesh. That's what Jesus was. He was God in flesh. And he said, it's actually better if I don't stay in this place of being with you in the flesh, but if I leave, because when I leave, I'm going to send the counselor or the advocate or the Holy Spirit to you, and you can be filled. And he said that that was better. And, and we want to explore why that would be better. Why would that be better? So that's what we're looking at today. Um, I think I want to start by just telling you right off the bat, here's the answer to the question. The question is, what is the role of the Holy Spirit in the Christ-following life? Uh, Jesus is pretty clear about this. If I were to summarize Jesus' statement in one sentence, well, all that he says about the Holy Spirit that we're going to look at today, it would be this, that the Holy Spirit empowers a new life. The Holy Spirit empowers a new life. What we're going to look at kind of lays the groundwork for why we even need to be interested in the Spirit of God. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 6, verse 44, and he said this. He said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him or woos him, and I will raise him up on the last, at the last day. And later on, Jesus is giving some more context around that. In verse 63, he says, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. We can't do it in our flesh. We can't work our way to God. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. And he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him or the Father has drawn him. What Jesus is saying here is simply this, that apart from him, while we may be physically alive, we are spiritually dead. Apart from Jesus, we are spiritually dead dead and we need life. We need to be reborn. 
as he says in other parts. We need life. And what he says is the Holy Spirit is the empowering presence of God that helps us see our need for that life and also enables us to live that life. You know, sometimes we make the mistake of thinking about the Holy Spirit as a product, as a product, as this aura or this force. And we really limit the picture of the Holy Spirit that we should have when we think about him as a power or a force only. You know, today I'm going to say some things that are practical ways the Holy Spirit gets involved in our lives. And I just want to say right up front, these are just patterns in Scripture. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's free to do what he wants. One of the verses in the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So he's free to move in different ways. These are just some patterns. And it's, it's difficult if we try to get to a place where we want to kind of narrow it down to a product. The Holy Spirit is a product. Because products have claims. Products have instructions and rules on how you follow the instructions and utilize the product. And that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about patterns in Scripture. See, the problem when we don't think about him as a person and, and we think about him as a product is we boil him down to God's version of sham wow. You guys been, been seeing those commercials, those sham wow commercials? You know, we boil it down as if God is in heaven saying, wait, 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 but if you order in the next 15 minutes, I'll throw in at no additional charge the Holy Spirit. And it'll clean up all kind of messes around your house. I mean, you just need to have this, this thing. Like, you know, somebody told me actually they bought sham wow and it was, it was pretty disappointing. That's what I heard. I heard it was pretty disappointing. Yet again, another infomercial lets me down, you know? Thought the guy was telling me the truth. Now, Snuggies, Snuggies have not let me down. Snuggies are like the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, I don't own a Snuggie. I think secretly, though, I do want one, so it's just nice to say that out loud. Um, but but, but we, we limit the, the power of the Holy Spirit when we just reduce him to a product. He's not a product. What Jesus says here is that we can't even recognize our need for spiritual life apart from the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit draws us and woos us in relationship to God through Jesus Christ. And for me, there's a big difference between selling and wooing. I mean, when I think about selling, selling happens on infomercials. Selling happens when there's an exchange of goods and services that needs to take place. But wooing, I mean, what, what place comes to mind when you think about wooing? I mean, for me, wooing happens in, in a different place. Mm, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Right now, right now, your mind is not at crossroads. When you think about, when you hear, and all you need to hear is womp, womp, womp. I mean, that's all it takes. I've been really trying, baby. Trying to hold back this feeling for so long. I mean, when you hear that, actually, that's, this is the second message where I've, I've sung, and I, I do have a hidden agenda. I do have a hidden agenda. I, one day, I just want to sing back up for Keenan. That's all I want. That's all I want. If you don't know who Keenan is, come back next week. You'll hear Keenan. I just want to sing back up for Keenan one day. I'm hoping he's here. He checks me out. Maybe I can get to sing back up for him one day. That's all I want to do. But, but, but when you think about wooing, your mind goes to a different place than when you think about selling. And, and the Holy Spirit is not a product that God is trying to sell us. He's a lover who is wooing us into relationship with God. That's what the Bible says. So the Bible says. And so to, today we're talking about what it means to be filled. And we've been using water as a picture of that because we also see the Holy Spirit referred to in those terms throughout Scripture, being filled in the same way that we would be filled if we're thirsty. And if you imagine this water cooler as the Holy Spirit, this is a source of water that we can come to and that actually comes upon us and, and fills us. I have here a, a watering can, and I've filled it 
with water from here. Because what the Bible says is there is actually a progressive nature to how we receive the Spirit. I really believe that right now there are people in here who may be here because something in your life has brought you to a place where you're up for different answers to some of the questions that you've been asking. And maybe something in you says, maybe there's this God and maybe he actually might have a role to play. I believe that if you're here and you're thinking that, that's the beginning of the pouring in of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because we can't come to God on our own. We must be drawn by the Spirit. And at some point, we recognize that the way to be in relationship with God is through his son, Jesus Christ. And we put our faith in that. We put our faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection as literal historical fact of Jesus Christ. And that because of him, we can be in relationship with God. And at that point, we are filled with the Spirit. But we're not filled with the Spirit just so we can get full, but actually the Bible goes on to say that the rest of our relationship with God through the Spirit is this continual filling. There are new understandings and new power that will come upon us from the Spirit, not so we can just be full, but that we can also pour out the Spirit. We can pour out the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, and kindness. We can pour out gifts of the Spirit that are given. We can pour out of what's been given to us in the Spirit. And today what I want to talk about are four practical ways that we know that the Holy Spirit is empowering that new life in us, that the Holy Spirit is in fact pouring in us and pouring out of us. And and like I said, we're going to look at exclusively the words of Jesus around the Holy Spirit. He talks about the Holy Spirit all throughout the New Testament portion of the Bible. And one of the places where he kind of takes a deep dive is in John chapter 16, where he says this, but I tell you the truth, It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. The counselor is a word for the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, another word that he uses, another name for the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will tell you what is yet to come. Four ways the Holy Spirit gets involved in our lives. Four ways that he empowers us to live a new life that Jesus points out here. And the first is found in verse 8. We're going to go back and take a deeper look at verse 8 where he says this, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. The first way the Holy Spirit gets involved in our life is that the Holy Spirit brings conviction. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. What do I mean when I say conviction. For me, conviction is this godly sorrow. It's this recognition that I am guilty before a holy God, and that there's nothing that I could ever do that could close the gap between he and I. I can't. I can't. But what I need to do is be in a place of recognizing that so that I can receive this amazing gift of grace that happens when I place my faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit actually begins that work by bringing us to a place of conviction. Now, maybe it's because of how I grew up or my context growing up, but when I think of conviction, 
I have a picture that comes to mind. There were often times where there were altar calls and people would come up to receive the grace of God. And what I remember is the people who seemed to be visibly convicted seemed to be the people who were drinking, drugging, and thugging. Like the people who just knew that I was living a lifestyle that was way apart from what God had for me. And that I need the grace of God. I need to turn away from those things and receive God. And they would come up and oftentimes there would be tears. And I could just sense that they had been convicted. But as I was praying about this weekend and asking what I should say and just interacting with God, he, he brought a picture to mind. He actually brought a group of people to mind here at Crossroads that I think really need to be brought under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to speak some truth to you guys. I want to level with you for a little bit on this thing of conviction. And let me say right up front, what I'm about to say in the next few minutes is not directed at people who are brand new in the seeking journey. If you're here and you have honest questions about God and you're new to this place or new to that journey, what I'm saying about conviction from here on out is not directed at you. I do believe the Holy Spirit brings conviction in and through our lives. I do believe that. But I really want to focus in on a different group of people. And it's the people who have been here a lot longer. And people who probably are involved in serving, probably going to go around and do things for Go Cincinnati. You show up for this 65-minute experience every week. But somewhere along the way, you've equated those things that you do with having a relationship with God. And I just want to talk to you for a few minutes and tell you that is not relationship with God. Those could be good things, but that is not relationship with God. And I need to just level with you and tell you that, and I feel like I need to say that. You know, when I look in the Bible, Jesus did not usually challenge people on unbelief who were drinking, drugging, and thugging. That, th those people, he usually did not challenge around whether or not they believe in me. You know who he challenged more often than not? on this idea of unbelief, it was religious people. It was religious people. There's this place in John, in John chapter 3, where Jesus is having a conversation at night with a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, if he was among us, Nicodemus would be a super server. He'd be serving at every service he wasn't attending. He'd be attending a service every week. He'd already be signed up for Go Cincinnati. This is a guy who would be really, really heavily involved in doing a lot of good things. And he sits down to have a conversation with Jesus because he's like, well, maybe Jesus can help me further self-actualize, help me be a better version of myself. So he wants to sit down and have a conversation with Jesus. And Jesus stops this man in his tracks before he can get a word in edgewise. And he says, I tell you the truth, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. What he was saying to him is this. You can do a lot of good things. You can read the good book. You can go to good places, hang out with good people. You can be a social do-gooder all you want, but that is not life. That is religion, and it will ultimately kill you, is what he was saying. And Jesus is saying the same thing. The Spirit is saying the same thing to us when he brings us to conviction. Listen, this is what I want to say. If you are here 